So the the real main question is, even before we get this show rolling, is are you afraid to be on the Barbarian Prophet? No. How about you? <laughs> no. From high atop the Rocky Mountains, it's the Barbarian Prophet. Welcome back, Nation. We are doing one more live show with our good friend, Mike Bingle Davis, and we got Cody back in the studio today. And uh, we have all been discussing some, uh, you know, where we're at with things. We, Mr. Davis, uh, Bingle Davis, did offer to come back to the show, so he said we could do it today, so we're doing it today. So, last time we talked about computers. Right. And we've talked about a couple other things. We've talked about uh, the quantum computers and how they function uh, via light. We've talked about uh, Zero Flipper, which uh, I know you don't own one because they are no. currently illegal uh, since when? I mean, or they got banned. How did that go? They're not illegal. So okay. uh, you can have one, but they no longer sell them. Okay. All right. At least you can buy them from the website. All right. So if you were, you know, one of the things that definitely happens with that is you can protect yourself, uh, your card from being hijacked if you do what? Carry an RFID blocker. An RIFD blocker. And they can order them from where? Is that, did I say it right? Yeah. Well, no, but that's all right. (laughs) It's a, it's basically a card that you carry with you that, uh, basically blocks anything from scanning uh your cards you can just slip one of those in your wallet and you're good to go and you can get those on amazon still okay cool all right so no, i shouldn't pitch amazon don't pitch amazon is amazon the big evil one of the big evils <laughs> well they're convenient they are convenient and that's what we're supposed to be right i mean we're looking for uh it's got a, you know the easiest way to get things done well let's tackle a couple <laughs> of those things so I mean, right now we're we're watching everybody kind of lose their mind thinking the banking system is going under. Now, quick question. Cody, do you think the banking system is going to fail? Uh, I think it's going to change significantly. Change, but not fail. I don't know if it's going to fail. Mike, what do you say? I agree. It's difficult to say if it will fail. Uh, because essentially we've gotten to the point where um, should there be a problem, what you basically do is have another bank buy another bank's debt, right? And then you have subsidies or whatnot. I don't know too terribly much about how the banking systems actually work. You know, down, no, right? so you know what we need to we need to get Randy on this show. That dude right? knows. Yeah, Randy does know. Yeah, Let, but, I'll reach out to him at some point. We'll throw him on here with us and. Just kind of, kind of test that. But so let me ask you this. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about protecting your card, your RIFD. Is that RFID? RFID cards. Okay. So if they switch all of our cat to where we don't have cash anymore, is that going to be a serious problem? I think we're already there. I think we're probably 80% there, right? I mean, if we maybe closer to 90. Yeah, that's probably true. I'd agree with that. Okay, so what happens? um, 
uh, I mean, what do you see any problems with not being able to exchange cash? Uh, Cody, from your your age group is that 30-year-old age group, right? What's your gen? I am a millennial. You're a millennial. But I'm on the tail end of the millennials, so I don't know if I'm a good representative of that group. I think I am, but. Tail end? I mean, you're the last of them? Yeah, pretty much. And then what comes after you? Uh, Gen Z. Z. Yeah, Generation Z. Why do you think they call them Gen Z? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, well, what do you think, Mike? I don't know either. Because what, what I've read is because they'll be the last ones to know the United States the way it was. They don't even know what the United States was like. <laughs> you don't. They don't even know. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, back to you. So, let, let's kick the ball here. So, uh, let's say the, the financial world all goes through this heavy uh, change that they think. Do you think, uh, we, what do we look like for globally? Well, I mean, just to kind of go back to what you were talking about before, um, you know, I think right now the way the situation is is that we're basically trained. I mean, credit cards came out, I think, in my lifetime. I don't know when they came out. I don't know. I don't ever remember not like seeing a credit 70s? card. Does that sound right? I don't. I. You know what? I don't have a clue. <laughs> I think so. It's, go I think on. It's the 70s. Well, anyway, so when that kicked off, you basically have been, a, you know, slowly transferring over from a tangible, carrying these things around, uh, well, money around, change, and uh, slowly switching over to a card and doing transactions that way. Right. And increasing insecurity. You see a lot less loss, theft, or at least, uh, you know, there's compensation for those de- those things should they happen. And so we've been transferring to a uh, non-physical currency for a long time. Well, I remember when we had the big freak out because you don't have enough change. You know what I mean? Right. We don't have enough change. So you either got to forego your change. Now, do you mean during COVID? Or yeah, I mean, just kind of like just prior, prior to COVID, they were yeah. having a change shortage. And they said something like, you know, if we were to eliminate the penny, how much money it would save the country. Right? Yeah. So what? So now that we're seeing this change where, you know, we talked about, you know, loans and where the money goes and when the, when the government gives money out, where does that money go? So now that we're having this change shortage, which obviously, you know, we still have. I saw it a lot on my vacation. Um, don't use change. Um but basically, I, I've got all the change in a jar in my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if it's gone, where'd it go? I I don't know. That's a mystery. So let me ask you this. What happens if all of the cash, I mean, let, let's just think about this here for a minute. All of the cash in the United States is suddenly no longer available. So the $100 bill that you've stored up in the mattress all of a sudden, uh, you have all of those. What do you do with them? Uh, there would be riots, or you would have people like burning them, like in uh, post World War II Germany when the franc had no value, and so they would just use that as fuel and burn their money so that they could cook their food. 
<laughs> well, there's that, Cody. Uh, and uh, reasonable. What if, what happens when we can't buy any food? Are we going to get down to the riot thing again? Are we going to be well, looking? Hey, my my, I'm wondering how like, how soon do I put on my Mad Max costume I made two years ago for 2020? Well, I've heard I've heard things thrown around like uh, so Walmart yep. or a grocery store that they are essentially one or two trucks from being just emptied. Right now, I don't know if that's true. This was all just gossip type things during the uh, pandemic because the pandemic brought a lot of things up and it also brought up a lot of shortages, things that you wouldn't see or find on your on your little toilet paper. Right. Right. You know, all of that stuff. So it doesn't take much. All it does is take somebody saying it, whether or not it's true. So there, there, we could be in the middle of a full-blown bank crisis. Well, we are in the middle of a full-blown bank crisis. We are in but, the middle of a full-blown I mean, the, the news media doesn't shut up at all about it. But they could be telling you exactly what you want to hear. I mean, right now, the way it's situated is if everybody in Casper went to Wells Fargo and withdrew their money, there wouldn't be enough money in the bank. Right. So, I mean, aren't we already there? Yeah, and then you get into the same kind of situation that you had with the Great Depression, right? Right. When everyone stormed the banks and they couldn't get their money out because they didn't have the money on hand to give it to anybody. Yeah, but here's part of the situation is we don't do that anymore. Just like what happened over in the Silicon Silicon Valley there, uh, they electronically remove them. How do you, Most people do their banking online. Right. Yep. So, I mean, to withdraw or close an account, you can do that with keystrokes. Yep. By the way, I wanted to bring up one more thing that I did quick research. Are you ready? First credit card, 1949. Yeah, That's it's right bizarre. here, man. Am I lying? Right? No. Ralph Schneider, who created the Diners Club card, was 1949, was the very first one that they extended credit from a bank. Well, now we know who to blame. Yeah. Well, he's probably got an ancestor <laughs> still involved in this whole situation. That's kind of weird, but I don't think that they took off really. Well, uh, you know, they they were really invented through the uh uh from 49, they really through the 50s and 60s they started to take off. Right. Well, and ATM cards, all of that stuff. I mean, now that's the, all from the 80s and the 90s because I remember yeah. when ATM stuff came out. <clears throat> I was alive for that. Yep. And uh, with the credit cards and everything, it all started as like store credit. So you could only use it at that store. Right. And then it grew into, oh, you can use it at this store too. Right. So, yeah, and there was they were battling it out, right? We take Discover, but we don't take Mastercard, right? <laughs> or vice versa. Or we only know. take Visa, right? We don't take American Express. I think but, American Express is the one that like people don't take the most. But then what happens? <laughs> yeah, you know what happens now? They charge you three percent on anything to use their card, which mentally you don't. You know, three percent doesn't add up to a lot, but right. like we compound that, right? Yeah, hey. it's a lot. It is a lot. I just bought a bunch of motorcycle parts, and I'm here to tell you when you go in with two $500 credit, uh, you know, gift cards that I had earned, uh, yeah, he goes, well, that's uh, they're worth a total of like 460 bucks or something like that. You know, I was like, wait, what? And he goes, well, there's a charge for the machine and a charge for the use of the card. And I was like, what? 
So you you're throwing away four hundred. So so you're you're burning up forty dollars of my card on each one. Yeah. Right. And they bring that up with people that stockpile, you know, cash. If you have cash on hand that you keep at home, that the the actual um, value of that currency is decreasing as you just keep it in storage versus getting tangible goods. Right. Okay. So now let's bounce over to one more thing before we go on to something even more bizarre. But let's bounce over to, and I'm going to bring Scott Smith in here to to talk because I know right now Scott is listening to this to this episode and he is like what about the gold currency now uh i i've seen some i don't understand it fully but uh there is a move in the united states right now to go to actual gold i mean physical gold uh paper that's not a good idea okay why why do you think and i want to bring him on the show to to visit with us about that so i mean what does that look like are we talking like actual gold or are we talking about like the gold standard? No, it's gold. It has been made into a paper. Like it is, it's a dollar, it's one one thousandth of a gold ounce. Probably less than that. Probably less. It's Would like have to look. A, getting a bottle of gold schlager, <laughs> finding all those flakes floating, floating around, right? Well, if you're going to invest money, that's, <laughs> there's gold. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's not really, I mean, gold's value, I guess it has a certain um, aesthetic value. you know. Right. But as far as its value value is it's, it's an individual's inability to obtain it, its difficulty in mining. It's the same thing you had mentioned crypto at some point. I don't know if that was earlier when we weren't on or not, but uh, it all... It all comes down to how how difficult it is to get a certain piece of material, and, right? And the work that is behind it, right? And that that gets valued on how supply hard it demand, is to get. right? Right. Okay, so we're not. I don't want to get too far over anybody's head, but it, you know, I'll just show you here. Uh, I wish I could show our listeners, but I'll show you right here. Here's what it's uh, a five dollar gold back is one twentieth of a troy ounce. Dang. So how much is it actually worth? Uh twenty four ninety five currently. Twenty basically twenty five dollars. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So I mean you I mean you can purchase these type of things and I, I've seen them. I've physically saw them uh yesterday. And I, I never ever seen anything like that. So my my question is you know, when the government goes to doing stuff like this, I want to pull this into a church thing for a minute. <clears throat> what happens when uh they start shutting down churches. That's quite a jump. Well, is it a quite a jump, or is it the one of the easiest way to do that is to control where people can put their money? Mm, to gold, you had mentioned gold back currencies. Yeah, well, I'm just bringing that up as uh, as one of the things that to that people down. are trying to throw out there. Right. Yeah. Um, well, basically, when you're deciding that you want to usurp or stop people from, you want to sedate the general public. Okay, so how do we go about sedating them? Kill the imagination. Mm, right? How do first, we do that? First, you have to uh, sort of infiltrate, which you kind of see, uh, mm-hmm. the universities, institutes of higher uh-huh. education. Right. And, you know, that's that's probably the easiest, quickest path is to start to instill yourself through grants and whatnot that dictate 
what should and shouldn't be taught at a certain university. Don't mm-hmm. they do that currently? Absolutely. Okay, and, so they're doing that currently. So what does that end up? I mean that that's already been done. And so from yep. there, it rolls into your your lower education. You know, your child's education, grade schools, middle schools, high schools. Well, it's all the way down to preschool right now because yep. part of what's going on with the current preschool situation, at least in the state of Wyoming, is they've offered free preschool. Uh, which uh, is trying to shut down some of the church preschools. Yep, and smaller ones that they they've been very open about that. Yep. So that ain't State a big run preschool. Yeah, well that that way they can start talking to kids about indoctrinate. Yeah, it's no longer an education; it's an indoctrination Correct. into what is okay and what is not okay. Yep. All right. So. So we've got all those things out of the way. That's already well, happened. And so that segues into what you were talking about. And when you were asking, you know, what does, you know, sort of getting the sedate, the public to be sort of sedated or more malleable, right? Right. More easily controlled. So uh, depression. Right. Medication. Well, well, and even with that, I mean, we, we went through, we had an increase of suicide, like an insane amount since. Right. 2019 well I, I mean through the dumpster fire we call 2020 right <laughs> i i don't even know anymore <laughs> i mean that the, lo- the suicide rate went straight up you know yeah so then when, when we start to take a look at a, at some of these things what <clears throat> so mike we're looking at controlling because i am going somewhere i'm going total hunger games at the end of this whole subject yeah. just so we know just like we were talking in the other room, right? Right. And and Cody has already indicated that we're what we're what group? We are District Thirteen. <laughs> we are in for that 13. one. <laughs> Cody's waiting. Why, He's Wyoming. waiting for his moment. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm I'm trying to get us there though. I'm trying to walk us down this road. So I I jumped too far ahead. So now we've got we've got everything taken out. How long do you think this has been going on? in culture uh forever um i would say at least since 2001 if not before that i i'll back it all the way up to 1900 yeah you're talking about manipulation of the masses by the elite right are you tell me or is that what we're talking about i i would say so okay yeah i mean you've always got the large groups of people being controlled by the smaller groups of people. That's how government works. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I'd say anytime you'd have a civilization, anytime you see major structures built or classes defined of different people, whether you're talking about the Mayans, uh, <coughs> you know, any of the Mesopotamians, right? early Europeans, anytime you had a structure, a social structure, you have people that want to obtain that, higher parts of that structure and retain those for the generations, their generations to come. Mm -hmm. The only way they can do that is by making sure that they have subjugates. Okay. And so it's been this way forever. Right. But because of the way we live now and because of the way, I guess, technology and energy works is is it allows us as citizens, at least uh, I can't speak for other countries to live lives in a way that was only dreamed of in the past. So what we're doing right now, just three of us are basically, you know, you've, you've got ice in your hand. Right. <laughs> I've got ice in my hand, and we're talking on an electronic device. Right. 
we're having an open conversation that we're going to broadcast to other people to listen. God bless America. God bless America, because (laughs) in some places you get shot in the head for this. Yep. Absolutely. And I've got my back to the door. So we were talking about sedating the public. (laughs) And um, I just wanted to pull up this statistic real quick. So for people ages 10 to 24, these are the people that are coming up into society. Right. The ones that are going to be, um, you know, in the workforce in the near future. They're going to be the ones that before too long are going to be starting to make um, decisions for the country and and becoming the the main part of the voting body. Okay. Um, for people ages 10 to 24, suicide rates increased almost 60% between 2007 and 2018. Um, Gen Z is about twice as likely uh, as Americans over 25 to battle depression and feelings of hopelessness. And what do you think is the main cause of that, Cody? I think it has to do with the way that the media and social, uh, social media, news media, all of that stuff, the way they present things, the dramatization of things that aren't necessarily dramatic, but they're made into the big deal. Agreed. And agree. Yes. I, and I would go with that too. I would say even the weather has become a major thing. You don't yep. have a, a snowstorm coming in. You have a winter vortex. Well, and they have names now. Oh, yeah. The winter. Once you start naming the snowstorm, then it takes on a, well, it's an entity, right? Right. Right. <laughs> well, and I think. You know, we're talking about like hopelessness, like the quickest way to sedate a group of people is to make them feel hopeless. Right. There is nothing that they can obtain. And I see this in my line of work all the time. Like the the kids I work with, they, they don't have a whole lot of hope. They don't see a purpose for their life. And um, when it comes to the church, church provides hope. Right. The church provides a purpose for your life it provides a meaning for your life and an eternal life exactly not just the, not just the earthly life but you have an eternal life you have an eternal purpose right and and if you're ch- trying to sedate the people that stands in the way absolutely i would 100 percent agree on that because the way the way to conquer any country as we have seen um just looking over history rome example right um any any uh alexander the great what you do is you take it over and you put everybody on the same path and right now we're having serious rebellion against the path they're trying to lead us down as as a world i mean we've got riots going in france yep that's oh. a long list if oh yeah i mean we, riots. if we just start <laughs> listing riots going on this week yeah Absolutely, it's and some not, of the some good. of the greater, uh, I mean, just crazy stuff going on out there. <clears throat> We're just seeing tons of that, but you know, so so let's back up here just a second. Let's just let's just focus in here just a minute because it's easy to walk down that path. But when we start taking a look at cultures that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, United States been around a few hundred years. But let's take a look at, Mike, you just came back from Colorado. You went down to Four Corners. Right. <clears throat> and when you were down there, you were in some Kivas. And um, tell, tell us a little bit about your trip down there. And I want to talk to you about that culture down there. 
Uh, yeah, we basically took off for spring break two weeks ago, and this kind of leads into the depression thing too. <laughs> we took we took off two weeks ago um, for a week, and we drove down to the Four Corners area after getting trapped by a blizzard in Rollins, Wyoming. Finally got out of there and went down to Cortez, Colorado, and then to uh, New Mexico, Arizona. Just kind of messed around for about four days. You kept driving until there was no more snow. Yeah, basically, thankfully. And then on the way back, uh, we got almost got stuck again and then turned around, got a major blizzard here. And really, I haven't, you know, I went to work on Monday. Monday was a half day. Tuesday was canceled. Wednesday was Marin had stayed home. So then I started to kind of chip away at everything I had backed up on Wednesday. And uh, since Marin stayed home, I had to stay home with the kids on Thursday. And then I didn't have work on Friday. So I worked like a day and a half. And, it, and you talk about, you know, the, just from the perspective of this winter, mentally getting to a person. Oh, yeah. And yeah. not feeling like you have a purpose. Try, <clears throat> you know, unexpected two weeks of just nothing. It's it really gets under you. But anyway, yeah. So we went down to the Four Corners area and looked at uh, Mesa Verde. And yeah. Areas. So you're down at Mesa Verde. Did you look at across that uh, Sleeping Ute Mountain? Yep. Looks like a di- giant Sleeping Ute, doesn't it? Yep. So how long did those people live there? They, they were thinking about <sighs> 700 know. years. I thought it was more than that. Yeah. That <clears> oh, really? about right. Maybe a thousand. Maybe a thousand. Good luck. And uh, but you know one of the things that happened is those people all of a sudden disappeared over the overnight. They said yeah. they they disappeared fairly rapidly. So my curiosity is what caused them to disappear. It depends on what you want to <laughs> what you want to believe, right? Right. Well, it wasn't um, Bigfoot. No, wouldn't be Bigfoot. Um, you know, from yeah, just Bigfoot. From my, <laughs> from my perspective, if you're asking what I believe, I haven't done a lot of reading on it, right? So just from what I know, geographically, structurally, um, I would guess that it would be a case of um, lower crop yields, right? like that, climate. Okay, so we got two things happen there. All of a sudden, some stuff we were talking about earlier all of a sudden, when you cannot get food in a specific area, you'll be drifted down to another area. Yep. That's one way of controlling people. Yeah, and I, we see that happening in Canada, right? Yeah, what's going on up in Canada? So they, they got, like, everything that you could possibly need, they have it to where it is available within, like, 15 minutes. Oh, we're talking about a 15-minute city? Is that what you're yes. talking about? Yes. <clears throat> And so having everything strategically placed so that you can be um, within, so you're not leaving. And so the other thing is, you know, it's a lot harder to do these days with technology and everything, but um, preventing interaction. How do you prevent interaction? I mean, we can do so So, much online. but So going off of the 15-minute community thing, you look at like the storyline of the Hunger Games, right? Cody and the Hunger Games, and <clears throat> and they have all these districts. This is what really happened off. down at Mesa Verde. Hunger Games. They have these these communities <clears throat> sectioned off, and there's okay. no interaction between the communities. Everything that you could possibly need should be available in that community. 
Now, we know in the Hunger Games that was not the case. People were starving in District 12. It was a whole thing. But, but District 13. It was a play off the caste system, basically, right? Yeah. So it was like a case in, where... Kind like of, over the, the closer in you India? got to the capital, the wealthier the districts became. Huh. Huh. <laughs> and and <laughs> Sounds so, like somewhere else. Yeah, it could be. And that that's like a... Uh, <clears throat> economic and sociological difference right it's Mm -hmm. not not a physical distance it's when you look at the tiers of society so you see somebody that actually goes into politics and comes out better off than they were when they went into them something's Mm -hmm. wrong Mm -hmm. well and and in the (laughs) case of the hunger games it was quite literally a uh distance location situation yeah um and the the because you had the high life of the capital where you have all this advanced medicine, all these fancy foods, these um, biological engineering of you name it. And, and all that is, is located right there in the capital and no one has to pay for anything. They just go do whatever they want. And then you go out and you get into the districts and the the district one they're the ones that are like serving and working in the, in the capital so they get the privilege of commuting to the capital they have a higher life um they have more access to things and then as you get further and further away it just keeps getting poorer and poorer and poorer because you're not connected to the lifeblood of the capital. Okay, pull that into reality over here in Canada. You just told me they're creating 15-minute cities or at least looking at that. Right. So with with that, you know, you can start to alter what is available in that community and you have that expectation that, oh, everything I should need is here and I can't leave because it's all right here. And you start ingraining that into people's minds, and then they're not going to be wanting to, to, to leave or to go find other things. And so the quality of what they're receiving starts to diminish, where the quality of what someone else over here is receiving starts to to augment and starts to increase. And all of a sudden, you have this caste system in place with these communities, and everything is cordoned off do you think that's their intentions there i don't know okay i'm just saying it's a possibility mike respond well uh, i want to say first of all when we talk about wyoming being district 13 i don't know that you could look at it without looking at it with a global perspective at this point right because the game is no longer just the united states Right. I mean, we're looking just like we were talking. There's riots everywhere that, you know, we've got Israel falling under attack. We've got leaders shaking hands yep. uh, that are all epic monsters. And a, a realignment. Right. Yeah. And yeah. there is definitely something in the mix. Now, one of the things, one of the reasons I want to bring up you being down there at that uh, Mesa Verde. I've been down there. I spent actually some time down there when I was, I had a drilling rig down there years ago and I spent some time there. And one of the things that I noted was that uh, in their dump heap, the stuff that they had dug out had come from all over the world. 
Now, this is like 700 years ago. They had stuff in there that were oh, okay. from all over the place. Right. And they really saw that place as kind of like uh, that the world was being moved around much more than they thought. And these people were taking trade from other places. They just can't figure it out or figure out how it happened, etc. But stuff from all the tip down of Venezuela, stuff from uh, definitely they had uh, runes and stuff that would have been probably Scandinavian, uh, yeah. etc. that they had found there. And, and, and uh, uh, stones and shells that had come from other places in the world, right? Here's my point with all of this. <clears throat> We're not on the first cycle of the world being shook up and turned upside down and people being drove out of cities and put into specific areas. True. 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 All right. And then the other thing that we're, when we're taking a look at this, we always have a tendency, and I'm looking at this from a Christian perspective, is that when we do talk about hope and we talk about situations like that, we can very easily get caught up in the uh, reels and the the quick little, you know, 30 second, one minute deals uh, for TikTok, et cetera. And uh, just like you were talking, the AI or the um, <clears throat> the algorithms start to pick up, oh, they're paranoid. Let's keep throwing them more paranoid stuff. Or they feed it to you so that you're paying attention to something else, you know. Right. Whatever, whatever version of the story plays well to the people because we want you to watch. Right. So what I'm saying is that is one of the reasons that we need to really pay attention to our faith during this time. Now, there, there's going to come the time when, I mean, today is Easter. Okay, we got all of us went to church today. Churches were more full today than they normally are. I did want to kick out that your pastor said, you know, <laughs> that, we would, that. that we would be open between Easter and Christmas this year, as opposed to apparently other times. <laughs> but I thought that was funny, but apparently it might have not been. But anyway, I might have I might have sent you this uh, screenshot that I got. Hit it. It was uh, it was taken in. Uh, where is this? You know where that's at? It's I brought it up and killed the killed the conversation. No, don't kill the conversation. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it is. Oh yeah, that in, was in that it, was uh, in actually New Jersey. Okay, and uh, where they had uh, the they had the uh, large buildings with the three crosses on it for Easter. This was like back in nineteen fifty six. Yeah, there you go. Nineteen fifty six. Last episode or whatever, we talked about the social mores and how people had what was acceptable and unacceptable. And obviously, during that time, you could be open about faith and you could actually say stuff that. And uh, during know, that time, faith and do what you know it was yeah. acceptable in the social. Um, absolutely. So here, here's one thing that I noticed even within the church today. Now it could just be my bad preaching. I, I, I admit that, but I would say we were off seventy people than we were last year. I'll just tell you that from how much communion we handed out. Yeah. But I've also talked to a couple of church leaders already today in our community, and their churches were down too. Right. Okay, well, that wasn't just us. So I was like, okay, good. It's not just my bad preaching. 
It's a really nice day outside. It's a really nice day. <laughs> the, weather's, a, the weather's a double-edged sword. It's a good reason to go and not to go. Right. right Whether right. it's too cold, too warm. There's well, always. Well, if you go to a reason. Lutheran church, we only keep you an hour and 15 minutes. Right. And it is Easter. <laughs> it is so, Easter. I mean, what? So I went an extra five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when it comes down to this stuff. Where are we going with society right now? That's really, I mean, we're we're kind of all over in our discussion today. But, I mean, that this was one of the things we needed to kick out an episode. I wanted to talk a little bit about where you guys have a concept of where we're going as a society. Well, you touched on the monetary system. Yep, that's where we started. On that. So, you know, that's that's the driving function for just about everybody absolutely i mean you have to have it to eat right and so for a civilization or a culture or for a government or a society to sustain itself it has to have a healthy economy absolutely and you know even the church system has been it uh i mean it it depends on that to keep itself functioning why do how do we keep producing bibles how do we keep producing information how do we keep producing education so on and so forth that all unfortunately doesn't deal with love it all deals with cash at some point well and we had talked about how a person or an individual keeps their own life in balance the same thing goes for a society right the Amer- let's just use the americans america as an example everything you talked about today is a requirement to keep everything in balance and you don't want to tilt it in any one of those directions too far or things kind of spin out of control Right. So you've got your money. You've got your wanting to keep the population satisfied either. Yeah. Even though the population is falling off, according to Elon Musk, we're tanking. Total, like in total numbers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're we're not replacing population as much as population is dying off. Right. But keep going. I I interrupted. Well, no, that's part of it, too. I mean, so you have to keep increasing it. It's the the idea that every generation has to be better than the one that comes before it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. It's the mental attitude. It can't happen because we have shifted gears from being people that actually produce things to people that produce emotional things. Exactly. And you can't sustain yourself on that. No, you can't eat it. Right. And yeah. yeah, So I guess where we're all going, unless I know that's, it's going to get heavy, but uh, let's do the heavy. Well, we're inevitably coming to a crash of some sort, right? A, A major change. A major, I, it, major change. It may not. It, we're, the world we're going to wake up in here pretty soon is not going to be the world we've been living in. Right. And we've been living in a world that's been keeping us relatively safe mentally, you know, giving us everything we need. But as that starts to kind of unravel, which is what we're seeing, people are going to start to feel the effects, like Cody mentioned, increases in suicide rates, decreases in, in uh, attendance at churches. Right. Decreases, decreases in church uh, memberships. So people are looking. They're looking for something. So do you think we'll start to see a decrease in education? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think we're already seeing a decrease in education. Okay, Cody, at one point you were working, I don't want to mention the college, but at one point you were recruiting for a college. Was right. that college seeing a diminishing number? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and it's a big college. I mean, it's... 
It's, it's not one considered of the, it's, a small four year institution, but it's a but small means like twenty five hundred or less. So okay, so at that point, I mean, um, you guys were seeing a decrease of enrollment. Yeah. Um, so when I was a freshman in twenty thirteen, we had an incoming class of over six hundred. Right. When I left. They had a incoming class of about three fifty, so almost in half. Which and that was up from prior years. Mm. How about you? Where did you go to school? University of North Dakota. Okay. Well, I went to a lot of different. Everywhere I've lived, I've gone to school. Well, yeah, you're <laughs> like me. Now, we we yeah. and Cody does the same thing. We're constantly. All of us are constantly in some type of education. But see, even that, uh, I can tell you this: with uh, the Bible college, or not the Bible college, but the actual college, the the Lutheran college I'm in right now, I can see that that is that is going down fast. There is not people enrolling to become pastors anymore. That. <clears throat> That is quickly going away. Where this yeah. class room would have probably been, to be real honest with you, probably a thirty or forty people in a class uh, are now down around ten. Yeah, well, I'm 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 involved with a lot of different scientific sort of societies. I guess is what they're called, right? Organizations, mm-hmm. and their numbers are significantly lower. Also, yeah just to get people to be involved with, you know, presenting papers, going to conferences, talking about what they're yep. doing and discussing things. That's all down. So I think it's all decreasing. Yeah. So collegiate um, career technical student organization, CTSOs right. on the collegiate level. Uh, so we're talking like skills, USA, uh, future business leaders of America, right? That kind of thing. Um, those organizations are, diminishing significantly as well okay so here's the big question if those guys are diminishing is it because there's less people to go to those colleges i mean less human beings here or is it that there's not an interest in pursuing that so i think it's twofold one there are less people but also there's been a shift in culture that um one you don't necessarily need a college degree uh and two there's been a a big push for your technical degrees so nursing um welding right mechanics right those kinds of things electricians that's where the money's at the things where where you just have to go to Two years of trade school, and then you're off to the races making six figures instead of spending four years getting $40,000 in student debt and coming out with a uh, $36,000 salary. Right. Go, Mike. I I also think there's a decrease in uh, civic responsibilities. Mm, That's an interesting statement. Well... I guess what I mean by that is, is okay, so we're talking about the progression of society and people's thought processes and, and money and all of that stuff. If you take all of that as kind of like put it all together in a big ball and what we've essentially done 
is made it so the generation, I can see it in my kids and some of the, I don't have a lot of interaction with kids in the middle there, but we've made it so incredibly easy for everybody to get exactly what they want without knowing exactly what goes into it. Mm-hmm. So the, the culture's shifted to that. And so without knowing where something's coming from and the value that it holds, there is no, um, there's no drive for an individual to actually excel at what they're interested in. Right. right? right. I don't need to worry about that because this is, this is here. This is always going to be here. It's always been there. And it goes back to saying like, this is the first generation. If we talk about the computers, right? Right. Well, and that's a part of why we're entering into this alpha generation. They're going to be new. They are literally, I mean, your kids are alpha, right? Okay. Trent, my grandson, he's alpha. They, they're going to, they have a whole different perception of the world. And, uh, you know, my curiosity is just from your guys's, you guys are both younger than me. And what is your perspective of where your kids are going to land? I mean, it's not good. Okay, well, what do you what do you see for that? We're living in a world without disruption. We're living in a world that's sort of in sync with itself. So there are no shortages, right? We saw a little piece of it, but I don't know if how much of that was self imposed. It doesn't really matter if it is self imposed, right? So it's a very very fragile, but it's all operating in sync. And when we had the disruption because of the the pandemic or whatever you want to say it was. When we had that disruption, all of a sudden, there was a ripple effect that went through the supply chains and automatically sort of just sent a shock through, a small shock. But what our kids are going to witness, what we see sort of building up with what we're talking about here is a bigger shock, right? And a bigger shock could mean not just one or two trucks that don't make it for a couple of months, but something that's far more significant. I mean, nobody... I mean, take take our lives when we talk about warfare and whatnot, witnessing war, seeing war. We see it on the television. We play it on video games. It's all sort of an illusion. But if it were to ever actually happen and hit home, we're not mentally prepared. Absolutely not. And I think the one thing that is happening right now with this upcoming Generation Alpha, these kids have never lived in a world where the u.s was not at war with someone they did not experience 9-11 when the the attack happened on the twin towers Mm -hmm. they have they have not experienced anything on their home turf like well, the rest of us have. Right. And they're seeing that even with uh, this generation and try, uh, people not enlisting. Right. And and their two biggest concerns are uh, whether or not you use the proper pronouns and whether or not uh, we're doing anything to address climate change. Like that is their biggest concerns. And that and then school shootings. And all these school shootings that you see, like, you have to wonder, is this not an attempt to instill fear and hopelessness in this upcoming generation? Well, it may not, even if it isn't intentional, they never, I mean, it's one thing after another. It's one thing after another. 
Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've had let, riots. Right. These kids have grown up experiencing the riots of the pandemic. Right. They have grown up experiencing numerous school shootings. Well, and not only that, they have developed a right where they want to do a school walkout. And they yeah. are supported by the school system to do yeah. the walkout. They they have bought into this illusion that as a student, you have legitimate rights. Oh, not only legitimate rights, you have power. And yeah. You've, you've taken it away from the parents, right? Right, yeah. So, well, I mean, and, and, and that's just it. Like, the, the government, the school systems have taken power away from parents. Okay, well, let's and get so, down to the reality of that. The parents have turned over that power to the school. Yeah, I would agree with Let, that. Let's get down to the truth of that. That yeah. The school, we, we handed off uh, to that babysitter. That ain't mm-hmm. no joke, man. I, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna pull no punches on that one because you need to be a, you need to pay attention. You know, if I ask you, Mike, right now, I don't have any kids in the school system currently. Well, I got grandkids in there. I guess that, that's shame on me. Can you tell me who the school superintendent is for Natrona County? No. Nope. But that person is in control of your children. Right. More hours a day than you are. Yeah. Well, Probably, and I'm not being a hack. Oh no! Wow. <laughs> but I'm I'm saying that that's something that we probably need to start paying attention to. One of the reasons that I want to get Scott Smith on this show is because the one thing that he did that was rather unusual for a politician is every week when he was done with whatever was going on down in Cheyenne for our state, he put out a broadcast for his county to report to them. Hey, this is what happened. This is what we voted on. This is what was put down. And man alive, he took heat. He took heat from that. They're like, hey, everybody doesn't need to know that. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Right. You know, but we if we start taking a look at the people that are in control. Now, you know, go ahead. So on that note, like that transparency is what helps us keep our politicians accountable for what we elected them to do, right? They don't want to be held accountable. Exactly. And I think I think that's that's the the problem that we're seeing rise up right now is people don't want to be held accountable. Nobody does. <laughs> right. That's good. Yeah. Well, and, but at the same time, you can't dismantle the system. No. It's right. entrenched to a point where, you know, you can't. What would we do? What does that look like? Well, I mean, that'd be a fast track to total. The key thing I think that we can do at this point is start to regulate our homes. Yeah. Get back to where we're, where we've got a better thought process within our own house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things they asked me here the other day, I'm going to take it totally in a religious area. Are you guys good with that? Yep. Sure. Okay, one of the things that got asked on my midterm here the other day <clears throat> was, uh, what, "What was the ninety-five thesis? Was it uh, was it the cornerstone of Martin Luther's deal?" I'm like, "No, no, not even kind of close. Uh, I don't think it was that significant, and of which uh, led to a whole other group of discussions. By the way, from the teachers who had to get face to face with me on." <laughs> the computer that that's never good right uh i passed the course just so we're all aware i think it is good though i think if you oh i challenge them if you engage somebody so that they're actually you know talking with you 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I definitely yeah. uh, ended up, we definitely had a discussion. So, anyway, here's where it went. Uh, one, They said, what do you think was the two most important things he did? I said, well, uh, the large catechesis and the small catechesis. And he, he said, well, what? No. I mean, like in his writings, I said, those two. One, put the taught every pastor how to progress forward with teaching. Keep things in this order. Keep things going this way. Keep bringing it back to Jesus. Keep working to where the church is. Learn to understand how to present your Bible better. And that's what he gave. The other thing he gave was this thing called the small catechesis, right? The small catechesis. And what that was was for the father to teach his family at home. Yep. Okay. I don't know where that went off track. That was before my time of coming to Christ. But somewhere that went off track, and pretty soon the fathers weren't teaching their faith in their home, and we saw more grandmothers and mothers taking their kids to school or to church, and dad's not attending. I can tell you one of the reasons that I see successful churches versus churches that are dying. The churches that are dying generally have a lot uh, of people in there that the father is not at the church. And as soon as the kids hit an age where they don't have to go, they don't. Yep. Yeah. But if the father is involved in going to church, the kids will generally continue to go to church. You know, though that's that's kind of a thing. So, you know, one of the things that I'm saying is that I when we talk about how can we look at all of this society, whether it be financial, etc., you know, if you got your whole family held together and it all collapses tomorrow, you're gonna be okay. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. You follow where I'm going oh, with yeah, this? Yeah, 100%. Because if I if I know that uh, I, if I can fall back and I have a plan with my kids and I go, hey, look, we're literally war here. This is how we're going to react. And Homeland Security has actually said that families should have plans. Pla- absolutely. And you should be able to be self-sustainable for a period of at least two weeks. Well, you know, and two weeks. For people that have cable. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that have cable yeah so uh you know the key thing is though is that when you do that where you know you start to build a plan with your family now your family can extend far beyond just uh sons and daughters etc but that's where we start to develop that tribe mentality yeah you know where you got your brothers and your sisters around you and how can we function there that's where church starts becoming important and to go full circle on what cody was saying earlier about you know, individuals or kids that are kind of lost and don't know what to do and what the church provides is that sense of family, right? Absolutely. And so you have that togetherness that you can't find. You an extended family, a right. large family. Right. Go ahead, Cody. So the one thing that I am seeing more and more in the kids that I am working with is the the issue of doubt and the 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 questioning of what they are are viewing as reality um and what what they're viewing as being real versus not real and they're they're in this this state of confusion and so when it comes to the things of the church right 
there's this tendency to doubt for them to doubt. Yeah. Do these people actually care about me? Or they are just trying to they get just something wanting from me? me to to come to their church again? Like right. you know, that's that's the problem. And so how do you combat doubt that is so deeply ingrained in these kids? I mean, at, at the schools are teaching them doubt everything you know about history because it was all written from a white male perspective and you don't actually know what's going on. You got you know? to wait until they crash, which, you know, I think when someone's younger, of course they're more susceptible to influence. Right. So first, you know, you doing what you're doing and being a positive influence for these individuals is the first thing you can do. And same thing with, you know, being at the church and whatnot is provide them with this alternative to what they're living right now. Right. Because I could tell you that the kids you're taking care of are, are in a similar situation that I grew up in. Right. right. Except that I didn't really have a, I don't know what it is, a place to go. So at that age, there would be no way I would have cared to, I would have been one of the individuals that wouldn't have stayed. Because there's no way I would have wanted to play by your rules. It's better to be free. And so, you know, eventually I did sort of end up kind of bouncing between two groups. One being the individuals that did whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. Right. You know, they didn't have, they had parents that were never there. And so there were, also, there were always places to go to that you could stay for weeks on end where there would be nobody. It's just you. Right. And your friends. And so that's great. But for some reason, I kind of fell into a second group. And those were all Lutherans. You know, First Lutheran Church in Mandan. Really? And I fell in with those guys for some reason. And I think the real, well, I know the reason why was that it was nice. It was warm. It was a place where I could eat. Right. And a place where I could go. And uh, it was kind of a fellow troublemaker that was involved with the church too that i kind of stuck with was it the pastor no oh so i wasn't no, pastoring at no, that one okay no no this is like just a friend that yeah he's out there somewhere now um but there would be you know at that point uh i just happened to be in the right place at the right time while i was with the right group while they were filling out their college applications so i did the same thing right and they're that's what happened, you know? So I guess what I'm getting at is that with these kids that are seemingly lost or are lost and not wanting, doubting, whatever, um, eventually you're going to get one. You might lose a hundred, but if you get one, that's enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, some of the work that, that we see uh, going on in these places, if we could get one kid, uh, well, any of them, to just start moving down the right direction. And I mean, we can take a look at the big society and you'll feel hopeless yourself. But what we can do is we can specifically target our own surrounding city. If we, if we take on that mentality of the 15-minute deal and go, what can I fix that is within the 15-minute range of my home? Yeah. What happens if we take on that type of mentality to where, and I start in my own house, and I start to go, okay, we're going to clean this up, and how are we going to do that? We're going to take a look at a few things, because you ain't going to do it overnight. 
No, <clears throat> nothing gets accomplished of significance in one day. No, it takes but it, a lifetime, right? But I, you know, I, I want to, I want to end this show on this note. Is that one of the things that uh, that had a word that kept coming at me here this this week was uh, cometh the man, cometh the hour, or cometh the hour, cometh the man. When the time comes, the right man will rise up, right? We've got to start looking at ourselves as the right men for the right jobs and the right women out there for the right jobs that are being set in front of them, for starters. And the other thing is, you, uh, Mike, had sent me a deal uh, that was given by some Hopi Indian. Right. Uh, elders. leadership elders elders thank you i was looking for that and so and what they said was it is no longer the 11th hour the hour is upon us the time is now and it said we are the people we have been waiting for yes okay i found that rather significant because it came right on the tail end the day you sent me that was right on the tail end of something the lord had told me well, it, it is scary because, I mean, all the things we're talking about, right? These are actual events. These are things that are happening. These are real. Yeah, we're not we're not having a discussion of a, of a uh, uh, theory, of a conspiracy theory or anything else. We're talking about people we're actually dealing with and things that we're, we're watching people go, hey, what ha- if my bank closes tomorrow, I can't afford to pay my payment or if uh, my job closes down tomorrow i mean i've gotten that phone call where they said hey we're selling the company if, it, if it's what? not if it's not you then who and if it's not right. now then when right so we've got to we've got to start taking a look and i and i say this from the christian perspective here is we've got to start taking a look are we doing what we're called to do or are we waiting for somebody else to do it so, I mean, even I, I'm going to stand on that side and say, we are the people we've been waiting for. I'm going to agree with that. I, I can't deny that. Well, and I was going to follow that up with, I'm waiting. You're waiting for what? Exactly. <laughs> I have no what idea. What are you waiting for? What we need to do is, it, the question becomes, and, and let's, cut, let's, let's extend this show a little bit here. It, I don't know if we got any listeners still hanging on, but uh, if they are, here's the big question is, what do you want for your house? What do you what do you want for the people around you? I, I mean, for me, I want my family to to assure that they know Christ. And uh, the other thing is, is for them not to be panicked about the end of the world coming. And the reason I say that is because the world is constantly in a state of change. We just happen to be at a precipice at a at a moment where there's going to be a major change. And uh, there's still no reason to panic. There's no reason to panic. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ fully, if you believe that he said what he said, that he's coming back, if you believe that he said you're going to have to endure, and he said that it's going to be rough, if you believe that, then you should see it coming. Mm-hmm. I think the, the big question is, are you willing to stand in the gap for your neighbor? between the enemy and them are you willing to stand define the the enemy i think the enemy is 
is that roaring lion that that seeks to destroy us every chance he can get. Um, the enemy is is Satan and all of his all of his forces. Mm. And are you willing to stand in that gap for your neighbor so that they can come to know Christ, so that they can um, can find the hope that they so desperately need? Mike, input. It's tough. <laughs> it's it tough to know what to say. Thank you. Not a good one to follow, huh? Yeah. Um, I honestly don't remember the question. <laughs> <laughs> the question is that he got you off on yeah, a tangent, yeah, didn't he? I, I would say that here's the, here's the tough spot. Is that What is it that you feel that you can do there with your family? What do you think that you need to do as a man, Well, the I head think, of your house? I think you hit the nail on the head with saying that, uh, you know, making sure that they're not reactionary. Right. You know, they're not, they're not falling into this pit where they feel like they're the victim, where they're not able or capable to sort of problem solve on their own, interpret things, uh, you know, give, giving and making sure to provide with for them a balanced level look at what actually is happening versus a child's viewpoint. And they can give me that as well, right? right? They can give me their viewpoint on what's going on. So I've sat down with my daughter and had awesome conversations with her about real problems I have in my life. And the advice she gives to me is as equal as the advice I give to her. Excellent. That is excellent. Actually, you know, part of the thing is we can learn how to address some of this stuff by knowing where they are standing mentally and being able to address some of the stuff by seeing where they're at. You know, far too often we think we need to be the ruler. Yeah. Well, what we need to do is be the listener. Well, and I can hopefully influence her life so she doesn't, you know, the, the goal being is that not necessarily, like I said before, where every generation is better than the one previous to it. Now, we automatically jump to thinking the bigger house, the nicer car, yeah. the cooler stereo, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in I reality, definitely figured out that that's a mess. This shift that we're experiencing is, a, is a, an opening up and allowing for us to be able to make sure that the generation that's coming up next isn't necessarily better off through the tangible, but better off through the intangible. Right. So they are have we a better look, skill set. Are we going to look like the book of Eli at the end of this? Cody, have you seen that movie? Yeah, I watched it with you. Okay, I got to make sure with Cody, have you seen the movie? Okay. Well, guys, hey, thanks for joining me on this today. So the next time that we talk and the next show that we're doing, I'm going to promise something. We got to do something. This this was a heavy show, man. But it is tight. It it is heavy. It felt heavy. Uh, But I think that we ought to go ahead and talk about the demonic and uh, witches uh, that uh, we have seen that. We can't tell where they have been. I will talk about a few of them that have been around my church. Let's also talk about visions and dream walking. Are you guys good with that? Sure. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> you're, hopefully the listeners will dial in next time. Uh, I'm going to take these two through to another series uh, or to, to continue on with our series. I promise all of them aren't going to be this heavy, but we need to. One thing that we have noticed here in the news and just in talking to people around our church and around our community, that they you're watching fear start to rise and it, it's unnecessary. And hopefully this 
show doesn't instill fear. That's not the goal. Yeah, the goal no. is the goal is to what we need to do is it's to stand up better. We need to be better at what we're doing as as men of Christ. And uh, we're we're calling to action fathers, and we're calling to action mothers mm-hmm. uh, to start. Uh, you know, are you taking time in your home so uh, to to explain what's going on? One of the things is, are you taking any time to study what what end time stuff looks like? Because most of us are not. Most of us do not study what the end time things look like. What we do is just go off what, you know, happened on Mad Max and assume that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot slower. It goes slower. So, real quick, I just Co- want to throw Co- out there. Cody hasn't seen Mad Max. <laughs> for all of those listeners that have heard this message, they're like, okay. I know I need to do something, but I don't really know what to do. How can they get a hold of you? Well, uh, we'll have an, an email address here at the tail end of this is information at the Barbarian Prophet. Okay. That, that listened uh, to the closing of this. But the other thing is, is you need to more than reach out to me. You need to start looking for that church leader that is leading his people in a right way, for starters. The second thing is crack open your Bible That's, and get on your knees. Those are two things. Those are the things that are most important because I, I tell all of my students, uh, don't believe me, read it for yourself. And secondly is don't believe me, pray through it and see what God says about it. So that is, those are the key areas that I would say you need to start on. Would you agree with that? I, I absolutely agree. But you can reach out and there's, there's plenty of people. Uh, you want to find a good church, pop into the barbarian coffee. If you live in Casper, Wyoming, go ahead and pop into the Barbarian Coffee down on Center Street and ask John where would be a good church for me to attend. He knows every pastor in this community, and he will ask you a couple of questions and put you on a direction, and more than likely, one to five pastors will be standing around you anyway when you're in there ordering coffee, right, Cody? Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is, is that don't don't hesitate going into your local church anywhere and saying, hey, I've got questions. If that pastor ain't got time to answer your questions, move on to the next church. Because you know what? We're, that's what we're there for. I mean, we, we do the best we can, but also remember we're humans, right? And yep. don't neglect your spiritual side. Do not <laughs> neglect your spiritual side. But the other thing is don't become overzealous in it, so... All right, so guys, thank you very much for being on the show today, and we'll see you next time on The Barbarian Prophet. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness and the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that.
Well, one thing I would say to you that I definitely wanted you to catch is if you're battling depression, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling alone, you need to reach out and talk to somebody because there is somebody out there listening. And I'm going to tell you something. Your life is worth everything. Jesus loves you and I love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us.